0: george thank you worship team let's give the worship team a hand wasn't that just awesome seriously and they told me they they were going to shorten the worship tonight i said "Ah, don't shorten the presence and you guys didn't so good and ryan thank you for that great just encouraging offering and that cool that blonde highlights are coming back that's awesome you're looking good bro for real It's like where'd he go where'd he go where'd he go where's he at ryan where's he there he go did he slip out already he went over there. Where is he? Uh, he slipped out. Oh, he didn't even see me. Just uh oh, I'll talk to him tomorrow. Anyway, what a great guy. And and I thought I thought I was the one who first said, so where you want to go and so where you want to grow. But I guess that was Jeff Jansen. So next time I talk to Jeff Jansen, I'll have to tell him, sorry I stole that from you. But I I actually uh I just thought I said that first, but maybe <laughs> maybe Jeff didn't hear it from me when we were together in Brazil. Maybe it was him. I don't know. I mean, just kidding. I'm sure some Word of Faith guy said that way before either of us. I probably heard that growing up from my pastor, but uh, it's certainly true. There's a third point to that. I can't remember it yet, but when I do remember it, I'll tell you. I think it's the grace that you wanted to reap with, you had to sow with or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, let me sow some stuff. i got some free... How are you guys doing tonight? Good? Oh, this is going to be a fun week. God told me that this is going to be a good week for some of you because some of you are going to go back to the place... Uh, of your greatest failure, and you're gonna see the place of your greatest faith. I really do believe that. this is a this is a season of time where God is not going to let us go into the next season without going back and taking getting everything back that was lost in previous seasons and sometimes that means going back to the place of your greatest failure releasing your greatest faith and seeing the greatest fruitfulness you've ever seen and I believe that's it this is the year not just of the comeback but this is the year where every place that you've been pushed back that God's going to have your back and you're not just going to come back but you're going to actually see walls come down that have been in your life for a long period of time so I believe that's true I believe it's it, God is not going to let us go into this next season without recovering everything that we've lost, without restoring that's every, every everything that's been broken, without rebuilding everything that's been uh, torn down. And I believe that this is this is the year where God does that because we are shifting into something new uh, in, two th- in 2020. I believe is going to be the greatest year of new beginnings and uh, new models of the way that we do church, new ways that we do business, new way that we do government. government. Something's happening uh, in this nation where God is shifting. Uh, The balance of power and government, and I just prophesied it. We're down in Jeffreys Bay, but I'm just going to reinforce it here because the Lord showed me that there's something uh, that's coming out of the Cape region, and there's going to be a coalition. It's not going to be one political party that's going to change things, but it's going to be the kingdom of God rising up, and you're going to see a coalition. Of believers from different political parties, different races, different socioeconomic groups that are going to come together and finally uh, cause a majority view that's a kingdom view. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that there has to be uh, a preacher in the presidency or a preacher in the parliament, but what it needs to be is somebody that has a, is kingdom-minded. I believe that there's a you're at a tipping point in your nation, and and the devil wants it to be a tipping point of bloodshed, but God wants it in a He's going to make it a tipping point where the blood of Jesus starts to reverse the curse over your nation, starts to restore the blessing over your nation. I believe it's going to shift even your economic... Um, priorities and economic status. You're going to see a, a, a complete revaluing of your currency and, and that it's not going to be devalued, but you're going to see your valor, your, your currency come on par with nation, other nations of this world. You're not going to live in a nation of poverty. You're going to live in a nation that's blessed that's kingdom values. And it's because the church has finally reached a tipping point where they say, we're not just gonna be in the four walls of the church and have blessed me meetings, but we're gonna go outside the four walls and be the church in our businesses, be the church in our government. And so watch what happens where I know you just had an election this year and some of you may have been disappointed, but I want to tell you, God's not disappointed because God's going to do something where people that have kingdom minded values are going to start to band together and they're going to start to to use the authority that God's given them. And the, the way your government has set up allows for there to be um, opinions that that begin to rise up and I, you're going to see things shift in the way that the law is done. You're going to see a shifting, I believe, one of the areas I feel the Lord told me it's particularly in the area of economics, you're going to see a shifting of the economic leadership of the cabinet positions, even over the economic area, because there's been some corruption that's taken place. And I'm not saying this by anything I read in the newspaper, because I don't read the newspaper. I read news on my phone and my phone only gives me stuff about Donald Trump. And I don't read half of that because I don't. (laughs) All I'm saying is I've had enough of that, too. I want the kingdom of God to come into every place that I go And I believe that this year, you're going to start to see a shift. In 2020, it's going to start to affect the economics of your nation. And many of you have been promised big kingdom things from God in the area of business and economics, business startups over the last three years. Many of you have started businesses that look like they've slowed down. You've hit blockages, but something is going to shift. I'm telling you, in 2020. And get ready even for how it's gonna affect the RAND and how it's gonna be on par with other places because I'm not saying it's gonna happen overnight, but it will be a, a, a different, a change from what you have. And and you're going to see, I believe the sign of it is that you're going to see some shifting take place in the leadership over the area of commerce and economics at a government level. So, Father, we just thank you right now in Jesus' name. And, in fact, if you're in business and you've hit some blockages over the last three years, maybe you've been waiting for a breakthrough, maybe there's just things, uh, that just stand to your feet. We're going to start off right here. Father, in Jesus' name, we just declare that you are going back to every place of failure and you're releasing great faith we just declare now in jesus name god that where the thief has tried to come and steal and kill and destroy that you're releasing life we break every curse of poverty over the land that has affected god's people you say we say the blood of jesus comes against you we break every curse that's even come from witchcraft curses against god's people in business we just declare in the name of jesus that the blood of jesus releases the blessing of God. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, God, that, that we are coming to the end of this year. And this will not just be a year of, of comebacks, but it will be a year of breakthroughs, God. It'll be a year of breakthroughs. And God, I thank you uh, even for Warren standing here, God. I just declare that that Three years, God, that he's things he's been waiting for for three years are going to break through even within the next three months. God, I thank you that stuff that he put on the altar three years ago that you are giving back to him, pressed down, shaking together, running over. And I'm more, and I feel like the Lord has even tested you in areas giving. He's seen your heart pure. You've not just been generous, you've been sacrificial. And I feel like the Lord says this is the year where things that you've been waiting for, there's a breakthrough anointing. And I'm even just going to declare it. Literally the same way that Jesus had uh, angels released to him when he was, came out of his wilderness, period, tempted three times. And he, there was angels that came for his breakthrough, to break him through into his new season. There's a, like an angel of breakthrough coming in this season. And it has to do uh, with even economics. going to flow from uh, other African nations. And I feel like a special connection with Nigeria coming with you. And there's some breakthroughs that are coming. Uh, that are going to affect not just this, um, this region and this nation, but even the nations uh, that God has called you to. So, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that this is the year of the breakthrough, and I pray for every person standing here, God that they are not bound, they are not limited by the nation that they live in or by the the government that they uh, serve under, that they live under. But, Lord, we bless those that are in rulership, and we pray for those, and we pray for a shift to take place where where godly leadership with kingdom values will be able to bind together and release something. And I feel like the Lord says this, that even... um, I said it last year, but I feel like Durban is going to become a new economic center for what God is doing in this in this nation. Durban is going to become a new economic center, not just for trade, but even for currency trade. And I feel like there's something happening, even with like the, the stock market and the, the, the financial markets of this nation, where even Durban will be almost like a center for, for traders in, in, in currency, and that will even shift uh, the valuation of your currency. So, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for Breakthrough. And if you agree with that, everybody say yee Amen. All right, good all right that's good that's a mouthful didn't expect to do any of that and that was fun yay didn't even warm up but we just warmed right, just went right for it so that's cool so what do I do after that I don't know Let's see fun stuff oh I know shift the atmosphere of the house that was the first thing in my notes I think that was the message uh, I guess we shifted that's check all right we shifted that it's good all right, so let's do some, let me do a little, just hang out with you, do a little um, ministry here to some people, because I want to do something corporate at the end, and then we're meeting tomorrow night, is that correct? Is there still some space open, or is that filled up yet? You have a, you can, so some people, if you haven't signed up for tomorrow night, you can come, or there's just fill some spots open, so get some people here, but um, we'll do that, and then we doing anything else, what are we doing, Friday night something, or Sunday night? Yeah, so on Sunday morning, go to your church if this isn't your church, and then Sunday night, come here, and, and if you don't have a church, well, come here, but don't, you know, don't, don't cheat on anybody. We don't want that happening. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll just leave it right there. Just leave it right there. So I don't wanna go any farther. I'm gonna get in trouble if I just get snarky about that, so that's all right. All right, so what do we want to do? Oh, okay, let's do some words of knowledge. I always preface this with, the, you know, I don't know if these are words of knowledge or guesses of knowledge. I don't, I honestly don't. I'm pretty good at the prophecy stuff, but the words of knowledge, is not, I didn't even grow up with that, I didn't. I always wish I was one of those guys, like an angel came and blew in my ear, and I could, I know everything about you uh, your address and your bank number, bank, especially your bank account. I wish I knew that. But I, apparently, angels don't like to blow in my ear. So I, my wife enjoys it, but that's another whole thing. It's a, it's a different gift, It's a whole different anointing that comes on me at that time. So <laughs> sorry, sorry. Just, by the way, my wife's here on the front row. Good segue. Sorry, honey. It's, Yes. So I just point the attention to her so I could get the blood out of my face and a little blushing. Sorry. Uh, So, yeah, this could be a guess of knowledge. Uh, You know, I mean, how do you know the difference? If it's right, it's a word of knowledge. So if it's not right, if it's not right, it's just a guess. I know some of you are like, but if it's the Lord, you should know. No, you never know. Come on. You could tell the Lord told you to marry that person. But there comes a time in your life I'm not sure if that was the Lord or that was me. Just saying, you know. Not, I've never had a doubt. But I'm just saying you might have. I mean, so, you know, sometimes you have, in fact, some people ask me, have you ever given somebody a word and you're not sure if it was you or the Lord? I'm like, mm, that's never happened to me. Not since the last time I gave someone a word. That's And that happens every time because I really don't know. And sometimes they even look at me like it's not from the Lord. And then they come back two years later and say, wow, that was really from the Lord. I said, I don't remember anything. <laughs> do I even know you? How did they give you a word? You gave me a word that changed my life. Who are you? I don't Which is a great privilege because I get to just love people for God and then leave. <laughs> Let you deal with them. You know what I'm saying? Just because I don't want to know I don't I don't want to know people through their process. <laughs> I want to go home when they get to the promise. They're much nicer when they get to their pro- like <laughs> You didn't want to see me in my process. Huh? George didn't have me when I was in my process. Well, he, he has me in this process, but you know, uh, the other process that was worse than this process, but in a couple of years you'll be like, "Man, I'm glad he's not going through that process anymore." Uh, anyway, so yeah, these are words of knowledge. And sometimes, you know, it's not perfect. I, I was doing a conference just a couple months ago, and I was, it was a normal conference. I came in on Friday night, Thursday night, something like that. I was going to finish up. Uh, I was doing a couple sessions, but I was the last speaker on Saturday as well, and then speaking Sunday morning at the church like I'm doing here. So I, f- I flew in, and my driver picked me up. His name was Sam. He drew, drove me in an electric car. It was a Prius. Do you guys have Priuses here? Toya, Toyota Priuses? You guys have a lot of, like, big honking car like four wheelers here and I, I like when people pick me up in those big big cars prius i have to be honest with you I, I mean i didn't judge sam but i i judged his car a little bit i did judge the car prius is okay but i'm not sure a, a man should drive one I'm, I'm sorry i shouldn't have said that well, I've been, I've, I'm still jet lagged from my trip and then I had to preach at a conference and then George took me to the bush like the very next day after I preached and then we went up and then, you know, you wake up every morning really, really early, go to bed really, really late. And then I'm like, George, when are we gonna start the meetings? He says, oh, like two hours after we get back to Durban after the bush. I'm like, oh, that's, that's really awesome. Thanks for letting me know that. So I'm a little tired, which makes me a little bit like this. So anyway, I'm in the Prius. It was a good guy, Sam. And we get to the conference and something happened. Oh, I took my books to the book table and he introduced me to his wife who was running the book table, very nice girl. And um, so it's a great conference. I did my couple sessions. There was Eric Johnson was there who was here last year. Eric was at that conference. And a guy who wrote a song that you guys sang, Praised His Highway, uh, Sean Foyt was there. So it was super fun, like fun guys to hang out with, good conference. I was finishing Saturday night, um, and so they left. I guess they had their fun, and they left me alone, and I was hanging out. And I had this word of knowledge. I thought it was a word of knowledge, and it, it was for a guy on the right side named Mark. So I looked over and said, there's someone over here named Mark, and nobody moved. In fact, they were super, it was a, like an area of the country is kind of more stoic, you know, people sitting there with their arms like this, and I'm like, sure there's no Mark over there, and people are like this, and then finally one guy starts pointing to the person in front of him, and I'm like, hmm, is sure there's not anybody named Mark over here? And then the guys on either side started pointing to this guy this way, and he's like this, and I'm like, sir, I have a question for you. You got your arms folded there. Is your name Mark? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, seriously, like give the guy a break here with the microphone. I'm like, Mark, thanks for owning up to that. <laughs> so Mark, I have this picture for you, and I, and I see you with a gun in your hand, and I see you pointing the gun at a target. And then you pull the trigger, and you hit the target every time the bullseye. And then these other people come next to you, and you help them point their gun at the target, and they pull the trigger, they hit the bullseye every single time you're, tr- you're, you're, these, you're lining these people up to hit the bullseye and like 10 people over here just yelled out yes. And so I was super confused, maybe because it was late Saturday. And I'm like, "Uh, oh, is somebody over here named Mark that that makes sense too?" And they're like, "No, that's Mark. He's an army gun instructor. That's what he does for his job." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm killing it." Mark's like this. And, and I think I'm I'm think I'm dying and I'm just destroying prophecy right? like this, i am wrecking the place right and he's like nope that doesn't mean anything to me at all and so and so i'm like decided to go a little farther i'm like hey mark i see you doing like a promotion test this year taking a promotion test you pat you didn't pass it you didn't get your promotion but god's gonna just do you a blessing this year you're gonna get your promotion anyway and they freaked out over here they're like yes and mark did nothing He was like this so I'm like, all right, that's it for prophecies tonight, you guys. <laughs> and so I, I moved on, and we had a great service. Uh, I brought a message, and we prayed for people. And we're around the front just worshiping um, near the end, and and there was a lady standing sort of like right over here on the left, and and we were worshiping, and she started to get touched by God. I don't know if this happens in any of your churches, but she physically started like feeling God's presence on her body. She started to like shake and bend over and and sometimes I, I, don't, I don't do that. It does like, I don't get affected by God's presence that way. I, I, I would like to. In fact, I wish I could. And I, so I thought maybe if I touch her, I'll feel something. And I just felt for her, and I just t- grabbed her hand. And I heard myself say, as soon as I grabbed her hand, I said this and god's touching you right now because you've had multiple concussions in fact you've had five concussions you lost your job you had to drop out of school you have spinning your head spins around you can't see clearly and you're ringing in your ears but god's healing you right now And when i said that the lady just fell to the ground just just out in the spirit and it was just a powerful moment and i was just so thankful that Whatever was happening was happening for her, and I thought that was great. And we had a great rest of the meeting. We closed it. People hung around for a while. Some were praying for one another. Some came to visit me in the front. I stayed there. Just was talking to a couple of people. Mark was actually the first one in line, and I just wanted to make sure he wasn't still carrying a gun. So I am like, S- can you, you just turn around for me? And he, he wasn't. He was fine. He was, in fact, he was smiling. He said, actually, I took my just, he said, three months before he had taken his promotion test, and he didn't pass it. So that word was just so good for him, encouraging to him. And I was glad because he was carrying a gun, and he, I didn't want him to be mad at me. Like, <laughs> it's like, if it's not a good prophecy, it might be your last one, buddy, you know. So that's happened to me before, actually. So the next person in line was this nice girl with brown hair. I'll tell you that story maybe tomorrow night. It's a good story about praying for a guy with a gun. Anyway, so... This next lady in line goes, um, that's Mark's my, Mark's my brother. I'm like, that's awesome, haven't I met you before? And she said, actually, yes, I'm Sam's wife, the, your driver. You met me at the book table. I said, I totally didn't remember meeting you because I tried to, you know how you, when you feel like you should know someone and you say a reason why you didn't recognize them? Like, you were wearing glasses before, weren't you? You had cool, these cool black glasses on. She goes, oh, yeah, I was. Those were my concussion glasses. She said, I'm the one with five concussions. And I lost my job as an EMT I, I actually had to drop out of school where I was going to go to medical school and um, I actually had to lead worship today leave worship today because my head was spinning I was ringing in my ears all the time uh, I, I, she said I'm completely healed no, nothing at all anymore so cool right which I love like yay God killed it boom cool. thank you for thanking God for that because it certainly wasn't me because the lady I prayed for had blonde hair and she had brown hair and so I said that's really strange so you got healed the same time that lady with the blonde hair got healed she said no that lady with the blonde hair was totally fine I was standing behind her you didn't see me and so apparently you can be supernatural and still imperfect isn't that good like, you can be imperfect. You can make mistakes and be, like, operating in the spirit. Because I used to think, like, if God said it has to be perfect, right, or I have to do it perfect, but he operates through imperfection. You know, he, loves, he he's actually loves in his, your weakness. His strength, is made per, his strength is made perfect. Not your strength is made perfect. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. So isn't that good? I just told you that story to set up because I could fail right here really big and so it may be a failure. It may be really good. And but if it's gonna be failure, it'll be a really good failure, just so you know. Because I've practiced failure quite a bit and I know still learning and growing and I'm I'm gonna to continue to learn and grow. I'm a student and teacher of how God speaks. And I have two schools of prophecy that I teach. I've taught them I've taught at Randy Clark School for that's where I sort of recorded my stuff, but I was teaching it like way before that. I was traveling around churches, and I'm teaching them how to train teams to pray for the sick and prophesy to people outside of the walls of the church. I was going uh, to massive like new age festivals up to 10,000 people at a time where we'd take teams of 12 uh, up to 15 people. We'd pay like $2,000 to set up a booth to heal the sick when there's angel healers and shaman healers and mediums and psychics all around us. And we were doing that in the early 2000s. And then Randy heard about what we were doing and we started going to train their school. And uh, so I have prophetic school number one talks to you about the, the basics of hearing God's voice, what, is, what the spiritual senses are, how to tune them in, how to remove hindrances to hearing God, how to um, talk to people that are outside of the church to in with language that makes sense to them, and how to use prophecy as a tool for evangelism or to reach the lost, if you will. The second school has more to do with sort of the, a seer gift, uh, dreams, visions, and, and what are angels and what do they do and I, i'm most of the stuff i do is sort of practical i'm i call myself a practical mystic so i don't try to sound mysterious but god is mysterious so i like to try to make him sound as natural as possible but he's a supernatural god we'll never figure him out but that doesn't mean i have to sound confusing to make him sound mysterious right I, I, so so you don't have to be confusing to people to let god let them know god's real he already we already talking to a god that's invisible you know what i'm saying so they already think you're crazy if you think God speaks to you. A guy on the plane not long ago asked me, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a public speaker. He, he said, what do you talk about? I said, I talk about spirituality. I was being vague on purpose. And then he said, well, what do you t- what kind of spirituality? I said, well, I'll just be honest with you. I believe that God speaks to me, and I can speak to him, and I can speak to other people for him. And he said, that sounds crazy. It does sound crazy, doesn't it? God speaks to me, and I can talk to other people for him. But I said, have you ever prayed before? He said, of course, everybody's prayed one time or another. I said, so you talk to a God that you don't believe exists and doesn't talk back to you. Who's more crazy? Just saying. Just saying. So, <laughs> It's not logic. That's all it is. It? It's not even a revelation. It's just logic. So this is to talk about your spiritual perceptions. Um, a marketplace prophecy, how actually God's the greatest entrepreneur. He created everything you see and things you don't see in, in just seven days <laughs> It still exists. So it's really prophecy is an entrepreneurial gift. Uh, the word create, it, the word bara means to create substance out of nothingness. So I think every entrepreneur is somewhat prophetic. I mean, Steve Jobs was prophetic, right? So... Um, and these talk about what to do with your prophecies and they're all together. These are these, maybe haven't seen these before. These are called CDs. These are something that used to be really cool. You know, you used to be able to put them in your car and stuff like that. And we have a whole bunch of them sitting in our garage that we got to get rid of. But, um, my daughters told me like dad CDs are like old school. So get rid of the CDs. I said, well, what's, what's new school? Like I want to be Cool and hip and everything, and I'm like, if the CDs are old school, what's new school? They said vinyls are new school. So, <laughs> so yeah, we're next coming out with the vinyls next year. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Prophetic hip hop school, and we're going to scratch the vinyls and do <laughs> <laughs> dab, whatever dab, whatever that thing is. <laughs> you have that here, the dab? I can't even into it I'm like dab. So we have this thing called a USB drive. Everybody say USB? It's like, you could maybe call it a memory stick or a zip drive. I like USB, although we should change it because some people come up to the table and say, can I have that BS drive? <laughs> so it's About prophecy, then Bob, BS drive. I always say, that's a George's table, so that's not mine. So, so I have, uh, on this, <laughs> Somebody came to me one time and said, you know, that joke, you know, it's a little rough around the edges, but it actually makes people remember that this is back there. I'm like, I know. That's why. <laughs> Offend them. They will never forget. Yeah, so, so there's like 14 hours of teaching on this if, if you can get over your fence. <laughs> if you can't, well, sorry. And Jesus offended people. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. They're like, what? I mean I'm not trying to offend you for that reason and certainly I should not have ever applied that scripture to what I just said so forgive me <laughs> that was completely out of the context so. cuz I just I heard like emails being sent to me at that moment like Instagram comments like how can you say that All right sorry go to mark 2 let me get me my, dig myself out of this hole and, are you guys all right you still okay My wife says, when you get really silly, it's either because you're tired or there's a lot of religious spirits in the room. (laughs) I'm not sure which it is, just saying I'm not sure, but I do know sometimes I get really tired, so that's probably it. All right, I want to talk to you about shifting the atmosphere of the house. I believe God is shifting the atmosphere of the house. I think this has to do not just with your nation or your church, but actually a church is sort of the Father's house or Jesus said, I'll go to prepare a place for you where I am, you may be also. My father's house, there's many rooms. There's rooms for many. It was, when God talks about where he dwells, it's called a house. I want to talk to you about what I believe God wants to do to shift where you work, maybe where you live. Maybe it's your church. Maybe it's your city. Or maybe it's just the life you're in right now, shifting where you're at. So let's read this. um, Mark 2, we're going to read. I'm going to read from the New International Version. I'm going to read 12 verses. That's a lot, I know, but we're going to unpack a few things. So I'm going to read this. Feel free to, if you, get, you know, want to post a few things while I'm reading, that's fine too. A few days later when Jesus again, everybody say Jesus again. Jesus again entered Capernaum. People heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there, there was no room left, not even the outside, outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man and carried by four of them. And since they could not get to, him be, to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And they lowered the mat and the man lying on it. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And so he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or get up and take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up and he took his mat. He walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. And then I just want to read the next scripture. It's actually the, there's a break, but there's no break in the writing of the author. The break is put there by editors. And then it says, once again, everybody say once again. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake and a large crowd came to him. Here's what I want to talk about first of all is that it says here that a few days later Jesus again entered Capernaum. Say Jesus again. So so sometimes Jesus did things he did before, and if he did them before, sometimes the results weren't the same as before. So Jesus had been here before. In fact, Jesus was from a place where they said nothing good comes from that place. He was from Nazareth in Galilee, and they would even say that nothing good comes from Galilee. So Jesus came from a place, in fact, that when he ministered the first time in that place they didn't receive him when jesus ministered his first sermon was just slightly better than my first sermon my first sermon i preached everything i knew three times it took me seven and a half minutes and i felt like that was so terrible right and now i can't even like hardly say my introduction my name in seven minutes you know just but here's jesus's first sermon they tried to push him off a cliff and he had to actually like, actually, like, I don't know if he disappeared in the spirit. Some, some authors or scholars believe he, like, literally, like, transformed himself and disappeared in the spirit. Or maybe he just snuck through the crowd. But anyway, can you imagine your first sermon, someone trying to, like, push you off the cliff, kill you? In fact, Jesus left that place. And it's, it's, the story is told in John 1. He goes down to Jerusalem for the feast And that's when he does some miracles, and he meets with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus says, you've done so many miracles, we know you have to be from God. So he performed miraculous signs that even the influential people wanted to hang around him, and things went pretty good for him in Jerusalem. So he decided, well, let me just try to see what happens if I go back home. And he went up through Samaria, and Samaria is sort of like you got Galilee up here where he preached his first sermon. They tried to throw him off the cliff. He came down south to uh, Judea where the the temple was in Jerusalem and he had really good success and then he came back up but he instead of going around Samaria which they normally did he went through Samaria in fact he stopped into Samaria in John 4 and he sat down with a woman at the well and he started a revival. He stayed there three days. There was miracles that were done there. There were people that recognized that he was the Christ. There was a, a following that occurred there. And it says in John 4, John 5, he went back to Galilee, and the people rejoiced that he had returned. And so what I want to say to you is that in this passage right here, this is within, even within that, first, in that time frame, it says Jesus again entered Capernaum. Everybody say Jesus again see, there's sometimes that you have to do something again before you see the results that God wanted to see you see before. And sometimes what happens is it doesn't happen the first time. And so we go away, which I think is important that you don't define yourself by your failure. Don't let your failure define yourself. Because when Jesus left Galilee, he said this, you've heard it said that a prophet is not without honor except for in his hometown, you guys familiar with that statement from the Bible? A prophet is without honor in his hometown. It's actually, the statement is this. You've heard it said that a prophet is, without, is not without honor, which means has honor, except in his hometown. And Jesus went to Jerusalem, and he did miracles, and he had honor. And Jesus went to Samaria, and he had miracles, and he had honor. And he came back to Galilee, and it says, and when the Galilee saw, Galileans saw him, they rejoiced because of the miracles he did in Jerusalem and in Samaria. You see, whenever you, you fail at something, keep doing what you did and watch God bless it. Whenever you fail at something or whenever somebody sees you as a failure, don't try to become th- some, something else for them so that they receive you. Because maybe the reason you got rejected wasn't because you were a reject. Maybe you got rejected because those people weren't ready to receive who God made you to be. And so if you got rejected, keep being who you are until you believe you're accepted by the Father. And then the people who rejected you will accept you. And you don't have to say, hey, how come you didn't accept me before? It's just it wasn't that they didn't. It wasn't that they rejected you. It's that they didn't recognize you. You see, there's a difference between rejection and recognition. Because sometimes what we want is affirmation. But what God wants is for us to understand our authority and our identity. And if we get affirmation for who we're not, we'll never have the authority to become who we are. And so especially in the day and age where we live in, it's so easy to have affirmation so quickly because I could start a ministry on Instagram or I could start a ministry on YouTube. I could start a ministry and create a platform that looks like it's mature, but it's a platform that hasn't been through the process. And if you don't let yourself go through the process and you build a platform before you've been prepared for that platform and you haven't gone through a process, you won't be able to maintain the platform. If you build a platform for yourself and don't let God build your platform, then you won't be able to maintain the platform. If you build the platform for yourself, then you've got to maintain the platform. If God builds the house, those who build it do not labor in vain to build it. Which means if you build the house, then you've got to maintain the house. But if God builds the house, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And so the reason we sometimes experience rejection and failure isn't that we're rejected, it's that we're not recognized. And if you're not recognized, it's either because you're not ready or they're not ready. And if you try to reveal yourself to someone before they're ready to receive you, you risk walking in rejection and and, and never dis- never discover who you're called to be. Let me give you an illustration. There was a major movement, a major apostolic <clears throat> movement. I knew that God had called me to walk alongside of years ago. And I knew a day would come when I would be recognized or known by them and I had friends of friends of friends where I could get introduct- in- introduced to that. But had I allowed someone else to introduce me, they would have known me through that person. But the day came whenever I happened to be in the same setting, in the same environment, in the same conference with one of these leaders that I felt like God had connected me to. And God, while I was shaving that day, gave me a word for one of these leaves. It's such a strange word. I said, I saw as I was shaving this book... And then it multiplied into three books. They were the same book, but the title changed. And then the third title was translated into multiple languages. And then one of the languages actually went back into his pocket. Like, he took that book in that language and put it in his pocket. And I didn't know exactly what it meant, but when I stood up and said to him, I see a book that was, title was changed three times. And then I saw it translated into multiple languages, but then the Spanish language came back to you, and you owned it, and, I, and God wants you to know you're going to get your book translated back into language, and, and the rights for it back in Spanish. This is a leader, I, and I was a little bit scared saying it, but it was so convoluted it didn't make any sense to me, so it was, I was not really that scared to say it, because I didn't really know what it made sense or not, but this was very specific for this person, and so now this person recognized me as who i was a prophetic voice to so that could help them discover god's purpose for their life and that would add value to them rather than someone who was looking for a platform you see if you reveal yourself to people too soon they'll never be able to discover what god is doing it's what god has called you to be let people discover you that's what i'm saying let Let the man of your dreams discover you. If you gotta become something else for a guy to like you, he ain't worth it, honey. Just saying. (laughs) Like, what? You know, if you just dyed your hair blonde, I would love you. Uh, I'm just saying, hey, look, my wife, if I say to her, I really liked it when you're here with this, or she'll ask me, but if you gotta become something else for someone, then you're not; they're not really receiving you. You're just giving them what you think they want, and they're gonna want something else after they get what they think they want. And I, I'm not just talking about relational things here. I'm actually talking about spiritual things here. Jesus knew who he was. He didn't try to package himself in a way that the Jewish culture of that time would under. He actually came in an offensive way. He came as a baby. He came in an offensive way. He came as a servant. He came in an offensive way. He came out riding on a donkey. He came in an offensive way because he wanted them to recognize what was inside of him. And when that happened, there's. you see, whenever you come to a place where God does something in you, that people have to look at you and say, that's God, that no one can take that away from you. No one can take it away from you. So a few days later, when Jesus again Entered Capernaum. Can I tell you? Some of you are about to enter again. You're about to enter again into places that you were rejected. You're about to enter again into places where you felt like a failure. You're about to enter again into places that you were thrown out. You're about to enter again into a gift of the Spirit that you tried and it didn't work for you. You're about to enter again into a into a relationship that failed. You're about to enter again, and and your faith will be determined by what you do in those circumstances because Jesus enters again into this home. He enters into this home, enters again back into Caper- Capernaum. He enters back into Galilee where he was rejected. He enters back in again into a situation where the religious people are there still to judge him. The Pharisees are still there. The skeptics are still there. The people who just want to watch him do another miracle, they're still there. They're still there. You understand? Nothing has changed with the people. These aren't people that are coming to see the Son of God. These are people that are seeing some guy to do miracles to prove who he is. That's who they are. These are skeptics that are sitting there trying to catch him, trying to trip him up. These aren't people that are there because they believe in him. These are people that are there because they don't believe in him. And he has a choice. Either I'm going to try to prove who I am or I'm just going to be who I am and let them decide. And I think that's the point here in our in our life. We have to come to a place where we have to get comfortable with who God is in us so that people can receive from us. Because the Bible says if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you receive a righteous man's reward. The onus is not on you. The responsibility is not on you to get people to accept you or to believe you're a prophet or to believe you're a righteous man. The the onus on you, the responsibility on you is to be who God's created you to be. You be a righteous woman, and people can receive a righteous woman's reward from you because you're a righteous woman. But if they don't receive you as a righteous woman, it doesn't matter. You, if you're a prophet, be a prophet. And you get they'll receive a prophet's reward from being in your presence. But if you're not a, putting up a business card that you're a prophet isn't going to convince anybody you're a prophet. There's no reward in that. It costs you more money for... Nobody gets business cards away anything. now. And so I'm just saying, like, forget about the website. Forget about the, the account. Forget about calling yourself a prophet. Honestly, like, if you're a prophet, just be who you are. Then people can receive from you who you are. And it's a lot less work, let me just be honest with you. It's so much less work just to be who you are. I mean, how about a worship leader that tries to make you worship? That's so much more work. But if a worship leader is a worshiper... Then you just want to enter in, receive from who they are. Now, how, how, how about a, a, a pastor who's like, you know, has to try to preach something to you that you have to do? And, and, and I grew up in the church, I understand. I've been a pastor and a, I'm a preacher. But if I, if I try to get you to do something that I believe, I try to get you to, to, to listen to what I teach you, tell you what to do, and then do it in your life. I might get you to repeat what I do, but you can't, you're not receiving from me who I am. But if I teach out of who God has been through me, if I give you what I've become because the word has become flesh in me, now you can, I can reproduce that in you. If I just teach you principles, you can go out and repeat that. But that's not the truth that sets you free. It's the truth. You know the truth, which means you're intimately acquainted with the truth. You interact with it. You intercourse with it. It becomes part of you. You become one in flesh with the truth. And then it sets you free. I can teach you all day principles, and I believe principles are good. But here's what I believe the, the thing that's going to transform people in your life isn't telling them what you know. It's releasing to them who you are. And so talk all day about giving and, and I believe in the principles of tithing and I believe the principles of sowing and reaping. But what's going to happen is when you create a generous atmosphere around your life and when you're when you're generous with your compliments and you're generous with your encouragement, and you're generous with your finances, when you're generous, it's going to transform people around you because they're going to say this guy is different and jesus is in this environment where these spiritual spectators wanting him to do more tricks where there's spiritual skeptics wanting to trip him up he's in this place where there's a mixture of people but very few of them are believers and jesus shifts the atmosphere of the house everybody say shift see i think god wants to use you to be a person that shifts atmospheres and if you're going to shift atmospheres, you're going to go back again to some places where you've been kicked out, where you've been beat up, where you've been pushed back, where you've broke down, where you've failed, where you've fallen and get back up again, Jesus again entered Capernaum. I just can't get off of that, can I? So they came into the house. Look, there's three things that happen, And these are what I want to tell you, how to be an atmosphere shifter. The first thing is this. Here's what it says. Jesus starts to preach and the ceiling starts to cave in. Jesus starts to do what his fathers told him to do, and the circumstances seem to be the opposite. So they begin to dig through the roof, and the roof starts to cave in. And now think about this, because there's people sitting in there that came to watch a man do miracles, and now they're watching a house fall down around them. There's a guy who came there to open his house up for Jesus to do miracles, and his house is falling down all around him. There are people who came there to see Jesus, to see if he was who he said he was, or maybe be able to trick him. And now, before the sermon even starts getting good, the roof starts caving in. So the people are seeing a roof caving in. But what does it say about Jesus? When Jesus, verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith he looked up at a broken roof, and he saw faith. And here's what I want to tell you, that atmosphere changers go back again to where they saw failure, and they see faith. Atmosphere changers go back again to where they saw failure, and they see faith. You know, Jesus, one day he's, having communion with his father up on top of a mountain, and he brings Peter, James, and John down the mountain with him, and they reach these disciples, and they're praying for a little boy. It's Matthew 17. They're praying for a little boy who was uh, having seizures and throwing himself in the fire. And it says, when Jesus came to the crowd, the, the man cried out, Jesus, pray for my son. I brought him to your disciples, and they prayed for him, and they could not heal him. What does, that, what does that say? That sometimes you pray and what you expect to happen doesn't happen. They prayed for him and they could not heal him. It's my favorite healing scripture in the entire Bible. That the disciples of Jesus, the ones who walked with him every single day, talked with him, ate with him, prayed for someone and they couldn't heal him. I love it because it says And Jesus came and he prayed again. And in that moment, the boy was healed, which means it tells me on the other end of my moment of failure is a moment where Jesus shows up, and he turns my failure into faith. And, and the disciples got him alone, and they said, you know the story I'm talking about? He said, they said, how come we couldn't heal the boy? And he said, because you have such little faith. If you had the faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea, which I love that statement because the word small and the word Uh, The word little faith and the small faith are actually the same word. It means you have such little faith. How much faith do you need? Small faith. Which means that the point isn't that they didn't have enough faith. It's that they didn't have enough faith in the faith that they had. They didn't believe Jesus was with them when he wasn't physically with them. All you have to do is have faith. See, Jesus goes, takes them back to the place of their failure and sees faith. And then people that are going to be shifters of the atmosphere are people that go back to the place where they saw failure and see faith again. That means the place where you invested in it didn't work. I'm not saying do the, do, make the same mistake again. I'm saying go back to a place where you failed and believe that God can do it again. Believe that God can again visit you. Believe that God can again visit your family. Believe that God again can visit your city. Believe that God again can visit your church. Believe that God again can heal the sick. Believe that God again can cast out demons. Believe that God again can raise the dead. Believe that God again. Because sometimes what happens is we give up right before the breakthrough. And Jesus looked at a broken ceiling. What he saw was faith, not failure. And all I'm saying is, I wonder if he looks at the failures in your life the same way. I wonder if he looks at the moments when you've cried out to him and say, God, you've got to take this habit away from me, if he sees it as faith and you see it as failure. I wonder if the moments where you cry out to him and say, God, I prayed and nothing happened. God, I don't even feel like praying again. I wonder if he sees it as faith. I wonder if he sees his faith whenever you pray for a a loved one and and they still go out and they are still prodigals. I wonder if he sees his faith whenever you've loved people and they've hurt you, where you've blessed people and they've cursed you, where you've forgiven people and they won't forgive you, whenever you've given to people and they still take more from you. I wonder if he sees it as faith. I wonder if it's not that... We need a breakthrough. I wonder if it's we just need a shift of perspective of where we are right now. Because I actually happen to believe your broken roof is actually a breakthrough when you change your perspective on it. <clears throat> so Jesus goes to this. When he sees failure, he, he sees faith again. And I believe that the second thing is, is what happens is he, he looks at this man who's paralyzed. They lay him down. And he's on the mat and he looks at this paralyzed man. In fact, it says he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is so interesting because everybody in that room knew that this man was paralyzed. They could see it with their eyes, but he never said, son, you're paralyzed. In fact, he didn't even address his physical condition, did he? And he actually didn't even address his sins. He just addressed his identity. Son, your sins are forgiven. So while people were looking at the man and seeing a paralyzed man, they weren't just seeing a paralyzed man. They were seeing the effects of sin. This man was paralyzed because somebody sinned. Somebody, somebody his parents or his grandparents, somebody in their life, he's, he got what he deserved. If he's sick, it's because he did something or somebody did something, and he's paying the penalty for it. And Jesus looks at <clears throat> this brokenness, and he doesn't identify the brokenness. He identifies what the man was born to be. Maybe when he looks at you, he doesn't really see your brokenness. Maybe he actually sees what you're born to be. And when you believe what you're born to be, you get up your mat and walk. Maybe the problem is you see yourself on the mat as paralyzed and he sees you as a son and a daughter that needs to just get up and walk. And sometimes you gotta walk out your freedom. Sometimes you got to walk out your healing, but you don't understand. I I got beat up when I was a kid, and now I have this fear. You got to walk out your freedom. So you don't understand. I was abused when I was a little girl, and now I have this. You got to walk out your freedom. I'm not saying you're not paralyzed. I'm not saying you don't need some help to get to Jesus. I'm not saying that you don't need a miracle. What I'm saying is your miracle is in believing what you're born to be what you were born to be. And, and I think atmosphere changers look at their, their church that way, their city that way, their, their nation that way, instead of identifying what's broken. What was your nation born to be? What was your family born to be? What was your child born to be? What was your husband born to be? What were you born to be? And sometimes, yes, I understand. I've been on the mat I've been on the mat and not want to get up. I've been on the mat and didn't know how to get up. But I want to tell you, you're not going to get up off that mat until you believe what you're born to be. That means if you've got to go back to what God said to you, if you've got to go back to what God spoke to you from the beginning, if you've got to go back to believing what the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, if you've got to go back... My wife and I were at a point just a couple of years ago, just a change of life. That, you know, one child in college, one at Bethel at school, and we're kind of like there's a new season. It's like, well, what's going on? What? And you feel like you could easily be paralyzed by changes of life. Even when things have been good, you can get paralyzed by natural changes of life. The best of us can get paralyzed by a job change. The best of us can get paralyzed by a, a child that you know, falls into drugs. The best of us can get paralyzed by a spouse that's unfaithful. The best of us can get paralyzed by a professional betrayal. The best of us oh, can get paralyzed by someone who, who you know, speaks against us and it falsely accuses us. And if we let what, what comes against us paralyze us, we'll never become what we're born to be. And, and And, in that time we we went back we went back to things God spoke to us. we went back to twenty one year old prophecies twenty one year old prophecies twenty we looked we're like, God fulfilled almost every part of that except one little part and it was about a home it was about about getting a new home and so We just went for it. We actually put our house in the market in in April of 2017, and we believed God that we didn't know what the new season looked like, but we knew we needed to get rid of the old season if we're going to enter into the new season. We knew that God had a promise for us about a home, and we weren't living in the promised home, and it wasn't about a house. It was about a promise. It wasn't about getting something bigger. It was about getting what he said. It wasn't about getting what we wanted. It was about getting what he wanted to give us. I'm just saying it. Sometimes it's even a metaphor. Some of your promises, you got to fight for it just because he said it. Not just because and some people say, well, you know, you know, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. No, he said it. He said it. He said it. And it's, If he said that to you, that he wants to send you to the nations, then who are you to say, oh, no, just this, me and two other people. I'm just saying if God wants to do something great in your life. Why would he put his spirit in you to limit you? So, so April 2017, we put our house on the market, didn't sell at all, and we put it back on the market 2018. The market changed. Long story short, before we came here last year, we had sold our house, but we hadn't found a house. And we actually sold our house for much more than we would have the year before. Here's the cool thing. We didn't know where we were going. We actually were here preaching, being super happy, and I had to convince my wife to actually kind of come because it's like we were going to close like two weeks ten days on our house after we got back from South Africa and we didn't know where we we're going to do we just knew we were going to put all our possessions into a trailer and move somewhere but we didn't even know like we didn't have an apartment didn't have anywhere that was faith I guess or stupidity I don't know so we found we found a rental we moved into this rental home It we was just you know we were taken care of we were fine we kept looking for a home. But something happened when we were here. Someone came to, up to us. I remember who it was. They said, it's weird. I had a dream about you last night. And you were looking over these house plans of a new construction house. And I remember saying, oh, that's so nice. But in my head, I said, no way. Like, there's no way we can afford a new construction. I know what they cost in our area. I know exactly. No way. There's no way. In fact, we had looked at, I think we had looked at a new construction, but it was way out of our league. Our, our agent didn't even want to show it to us, but my wife wanted to see it, so she smiles, and people do stuff for her. So, <laughs> so, just no way. So, we went back in August. We closed our house, moved into a rental, and I was getting super nervous. Like, it was coming, like, starting to snow. We still hadn't found a house. And I have a dream, and I won't go into what the dream was, but it just me- let me know the town we were supposed to look so so I told my agent okay we want to look at every town that we looked at in that house and we went back through every single house and the last one we came was this new construction and it was just so way way out of what we could have and I said I'm just gonna make a crazy offer and so he called and said they he told him we were gonna make an offer and they said well it's th- the deal has changed now the deal's changed, they're gonna actually add a whole finished basement, they're gonna finish off almost a thousand square feet of more space, which I don't know if you understand, what's thousand square feet, meters wise. It's a lot, it's like a whole bottom floor, they're gonna finish the bottom level, which was gonna be unfinished. So we said, well, we're not gonna change our offer, we're gonna offer them the same we we're gonna offer, which would have been, I think something like $30,000 for them to finish that work, so anyway. We were offering a crazy offer, we might as well double our crazy offer. So So we did, because somebody had a dream for us. So long story short, this was Christmas Eve, we made a crazy offer, and they accepted our crazy offer, which was very cool. And the house, the reason is, here's what happened. The builder was sitting on this house for over a year, and it had become a burden for the builder. But God was saving it to be a blessing for us. And so when we finally got to the closing of everything, here's what we found out. They started construction on this house April of 2017, the very month that we said, we're going to go back to what God said. We're going to go back and believe what God said. We're going to go back we're going to put our house on the market because God said this, and this isn't what happened. Uh, here's what I'm asking you. What are the places in your life that you're paralyzed that God wants to release what you were born to be? Because there are things in your life that you feel like you're stuck, but you're not stuck. You're only paralyzed because you have to believe what you were born to be, what you were born to do, what God said before the foundation of the world. You get it? You with me? Okay. See, atmosphere changers don't get paralyzed. When they look at brokenness, they're able to see what people are born to be, what a city was born to be, what a nation was born to be, what a church was born to be, what your spouse was born to be, what your child was born to be. And some of you need to go back again to what God said. To what God said about your marriage, to what God said about your child, to what God said about your ministry, your church, your business, what God said about those things. You need to go back and look at your journals, what God spoke to you, the scriptures that God gave you, the prophetic words that God gave you, the songs that you sing. Go back again. Third thing is what happened is Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven and they um, the room got stirred up by that, the religious people. Got stirred up because Jesus was thinking too big. He was thinking differently to them, and they said in their hearts. This was it says they were thinking to themselves. This fellow is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? And Jesus, lean, Jesus knew immediately in his spirit, what they were thinking. Now, this sounds like some sort of magic trick for the Son of God. Doesn't it? it Sounds like, oh, that's something Jesus does. He knows what you're thinking. He's telepathic. He's all-knowing. Jesus isn't all-knowing. He's not omniscient because he put away some of his divine attributes. He still had his divine nature, but he didn't know everything. So in this moment, he's actually demonstrating what it's like to be a supernatural human being. Like he's actually being fully human right now he knew what they were thinking now you guys have experienced this you may not be recognized it but you ever been around people it's like you say something and you know immediately like that didn't go over very well that's pretty much what jesus knew immediately that did not go over very well son your sins are forgiven oh that didn't go over very well with you have you ever said anything like you're talking to your wife on the phone and all of a sudden you hear the silence okay that doesn't happen to you just like you know when stuff doesn't it's like that unspoken communication. You know when you're in a, in a meeting, in a business meeting, and you make a faith statement, and everybody looks at you like, what? And you're like, oh, sorry, I forgot I was in church. You know what I'm saying? Like, because when you bring a kingdom value into a worldly mindset, it, like, the room, like, sh- gets shaken up. It's like, Whoa, wait, uh, they don't understand that. Like, well, you know, when you get into a business meeting and they start talking about the competition, like they want to crush it, or they start talking about somebody in the environment, the work environment, and it's competitive, and they start tearing people down, and you're like, you're speaking blessing. It's going to shake up the room. Jesus shook up the room, and he knew he shook up the room, but he didn't let what what was shaking them shake him. You see, he could have easily said, and what were they thinking in their hearts? They were thinking, he's blaspheming. It's like the guy in the plane, and he didn't even think it. He said it. You're crazy. And I could have made that shake my thinking. I know it sounds crazy. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it. No, wait. Let's wait a second here. Is it am I crazy, or is what you've believed about God crazy? Because there's some things maybe you believe that you really don't believe. If you dig down to it, you don't believe that, do you? That's really the point of this is that we have a faith that can't be shaken just because our faith shakes other people up. And we have to actually, I'm glad that we live in a world now. It's, it's so obnoxious out there that it's actually making me say, you know what? They're obnoxious about the lies. Why shouldn't we be a little bit bold about the truth, okay? I'm not saying let's go full-blown, you know, political on them. I wouldn't mention any people. I'm just saying it's time for the church to get bold. It's time for the church to stand up and, and not say, oh, I'm sorry I said it that way. I was just I'm trying to be loving. I'm trying. No, Look. Just because you believe a lie doesn't mean that I have to back down and say, it's okay. Because I love you, I can't let you believe a lie about yourself anymore. Because I'm not trying to tell you you're wrong. I'm trying to tell you I want you to be free. You got to take away your kid's cell phones sometimes, not to punish them, but to protect them. Sometimes you got to put some boundaries in their life, not because you want to beat them down, but because they're not because they're wrong or they're being punished, but they're in a family. And if you're in a family, you protect one another. I love you. I call you up to who you're called to be. And I believe it's time for us as a church not to let the group think around us that it's okay if, you know. Okay, well, that bathroom has got a man and a woman that's a half man, half woman. I don't know which one to go into. I'm just I'm just saying like God created you in his image and likeness, baptize you in the name of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be what you were born to be. That's all. I just want you to be what you were born to be. And I'm going to love you into who you're called to be. And Jesus knew his thinking was different than their thinking. And he didn't say, he didn't say to them, you're wrong, you're idiots. He you didn't say, I'm not a blasphemer. He didn't defend himself. What did he do? Here's what he did. Oh, if you want to believe what I'm saying is the truth, come here, son. Give me your hand. Take up your mat and walk. You see, the truth has to be demonstrated in your life, not just declared. And if you're going to declare the truth to people boldly, then you better demonstrate it powerfully to them. That's all I'm saying. It's time for the church not just to have boldness in their declaration, but to have a demonstration of power that equals it, a demonstration of love. Because what's going to shift this nation is not that we tell people they're wrong, but we demonstrate truth that sets people free, that we love. You can't just say that we have to treat people the same and not love and care for the poor. You can't just say that I believe God's created us in his image and likeness, male, female, created He them and still hold people down because of their gender or their race. You can't do that. You have to love people and you have to demonstrate the kingdom as well as declare it. That means demonstrate it through power of the spirit. That means demonstrate it by love and laying down your life. That means demonstrate it by actually saying when I'm not living out the way that I should live out. Like, I'm, I was wrong there. I mistreated you there. I had to go back one time in my life when God encountered me. God encountered me in Revival 1997. He called me son. He called me to prophetic ministry. He did so many things in my life. But you know one of the things I've, the Holy Spirit made me do? He made me go back through my entire bookshelf. And there were books that I had borrowed from churches that I was on staff that I never returned It was a Bible that had borrowed from someone in Bible school 20 years before that had to send it back with a note and a check, an offering. There were things I had to repay to people. It wasn't legalism. It was going back to a place and becoming who I was called to be back in that place. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm not making a legalist thing. But if God tells you to do that, it's because he wants to bless you. He wants to pour out a a blessing that you can't contain in your life. And there's places in our life where we didn't act like who we were called to be there. And we get to go back. It's called forgiveness. It's called humility. The grace of God, is, it, it's attracted to that. So he might call you to go back to some place and be who you should have been back then. In 2008, the Lord had me go back to every spiritual father in my life and write a letter. It was, I was actually celebrating, I think, in 2008. I don't remember. It was one of those big years of ministry. It might have been 25 years in ministry. And I remember I was in my office, on my, I'm just kneeling on the floor saying, God, I'm going to be in ministry 25 years right now. I don't have a, I'm not in a church. I'm not on a staff. There's no one to throw me a party. It's literally one thing. No one's going to throw me a party. No one's going to buy me a car. No one's going to, as if every pastor gets a car 25 years, I don't know. But, you know, like nobody's going to celebrate me 25 years of ministry. And the Lord said, I want you to celebrate your spiritual fathers. I want you to write every single one of them and say, I'm celebrating my 25 years of ministry by thanking you for what you put in my life. I wrote five letters to five people, three pastors I worked with, and my father and my father-in-law and spiritual mentors, and I wrote every single one of them. One of them pastors. I remember even arguing with the Lord. They didn't father me, Lord. They just, I was just an employee. They treated me like a slave. They treated me like a slave, not a son. You know what the Lord said? No, you acted like a slave instead of a son. Because they can't treat you anything. You only can act like one. See, if you position yourself to someone like a son who's treating you like a slave, what do you receive? You receive the reward of them as if you were a son. But if you think you're just a servant, you think you're just an employee, you think you're just a hireling, what do you get? You get a paycheck. When God wants to give you an inheritance. See, I've been on both sides of this thing. I wrote five letters. Only two wrote back. My father, my (laughs) father-in-law. I didn't care. Do you know why? Because I didn't do it for me. I did it for them. They needed to know. Thank you. You gave me a love for reading books. Thank you. You taught me how to take a day off with my wife. Thank you. You taught me how to you know, whatever that last one taught me, which I forget. not Oh, yeah, I remember. I can't say it in public. He taught me some good stuff. <laughs> Here's what I would say. Sometimes God will have you go back to people that hurt you and say, you know, you did this thing that really blessed me when we were together. Thank you for that. I'm not saying you have to thank them for being a jerk. Because sometimes that person teaches you something you need to learn. I'm, I'm up here going ouch right now because I'm getting, I got set up for this. The Lord's like saying, uh-huh. All right, let's see, bro, if you're willing to do that or not. Let's see. Say, I'm going back. So you're not going backwards, but you're going back to get everything that was lost. And sometimes it was lost because you failed or someone failed against you. Sometimes it's because you got paralyzed or someone perceived you wrong and you believed what they perceived about you. So you stayed on the mat. Are you with me? So go back to your failure and see faith there and say, thank you for giving me faith even though it looked like failure. Go back to the place where people perceived you wrong and you believed that you and it caused you to be paralyzed. Go back to the place where you believed what you were battling instead of what you were born to be. Go back to that place. And then go forward to this place where now you start to shift people's thinking because Jesus says, hey, just so you know that what I think is right. son take up your mat and walk so what happens he took up his mat verse 12 he got up took his mat walked out in full view of them all say them all full view of them all who's them all you see when god does what he's going to do through you it's going to be in full view of those who saw your failure it's going to be in full view of those who saw you paralyzed or maybe even caused your paralyzation, caused your perception about yourself. He's going to do it in full view of the people that betrayed you, the full view of people that tried to trip you up, the full view of people that were just there to watch you fail or to watch you do a trick. He's going to do it in full view of the spectators, in full view of the skeptics, in full view of the spiritual secrets. He's going to do it in full view of all of them. Because what God does in secret, he rewards in public. You see, when you go back to the places where you secretly failed and build fakes where you secretly were broken and you build what you're born to be. When you go back to that place what he does in you is in full view of people that maybe didn't see you when you were there. People that fired me are now my Facebook friends. I banned one of them but the other ones are still my friends. Just kidding. I'm just saying when God does what he does, when you keep doing what God's told you to do, he takes your failures and he looks, makes it look like faith, the, the places where you're broken and makes it look like you are born to do. He actually does it in full view of people. And look, not only that, look what happens. He does it in full view of all of them. And this amazed everyone. Say everyone. And they praise God saying, we've never seen anything like this. You see, I believe God wants to do something in you that when people look at it they say, we've never seen anything like this. That has to be God because Ryan could never do that. That has to be God because George could never do that. That has to be God because this couple could never do that. Like in full view of the people who didn't believe you, in full view of the people who didn't recognize you, in full view of the people you thought rejected you. I believe that God is looking for some atmosphere shifters and it starts with you going back again. So let me say, I'm going back again. I'm going to pray again. I'm going to give again. I'm going to love again. I'm going to trust again. I'm going to bless again. I'm going to believe again. I'm going to worship again. I have the worship team to come up. I believe tonight is a night where you're going to have the faith to do something again. I believe tonight is a night where your perception shifts so that you can discover what you're born to be again. I believe tonight is a night where God wants you to know that the day is coming when what he does, the people that rejected you and betrayed you, didn't recognize you, maybe thought they didn't need you. And it's, it's not revenge. It's actually just you being who you, discovering who you're called to be. Just keep being who you are. Jesus didn't go back again to prove anything. He went back again because he was something. He didn't get rejected in Nazareth because he did anything. He got rejected because he believed something about himself, because he read the scroll and said, and today the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. That was it. He believed the truth. They didn't believe it, and they rejected him. Because someone rejects you doesn't mean you have to change who you are. It means you have to continue to be who you are. And if you continue to be who you are, those who are called to receive from you will discover you. They'll discover you. Maybe in places that you've had favor and you've lost favor, God wants to take you back again and give you favor again. Say favor again. How many people would like to have favor again in their finances, favor again with their family members, favor again in places where you failed? I believe God wants to give you favor again. Even Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. I believe that God wants to give you stuff again because he's a God that just doesn't do it once. He does it again and again and again. What did he say? How much faith does it take to move the mountain? Just a little faith. But I, God, I prayed, do it again. Well, how much faith does it need? To? Same amount of faith it did to take to pray the first time. Pray again, but I prayed and it didn't happen. Pray again. He moved the mountain, and I believe he can do it again. He made a way when there was no way, and I believe he can do it again. See you do it again. I'll see you do it again. Come on, stand with me and sing it. You guys know this song? Okay. How many are ready for God to move again in your nation? How many are ready for a, a revival again in your church? How many are ready again for an outpouring of spirit? How many are ready for the youth to catch on fire again? How many are ready for marriages that are restored again? How many are ready for miracle signs and wonders again? You see, what I love about God is He loves to go back to the places where we see it as a failure and show us, man, that was just your faith. That was your faith, do it again. You missed the word of knowledge, do it again. You you prayed nothing happened, do it again. You, You tried to love someone and they spit in your face, do it again. I just believe that this is a night where God wants to encourage you that he's going to do it again. Yeah. So Father, I thank you right now all over this place. And if you're in this place where you really feel like this is speaking to you tonight, I feel like the Lord's really, I, I feel like I've opened my guts in many ways. This is something that I feel like I've been living out, but the Lord's challenging me to live out in, in a specific area right now. And I'm going to go back and process that with him. I'm probably going to really say, hey, that wasn't fair to, Jack me up with my own message, but I'm going to deal with it, okay? So there might be, literally, I'm, I'm, I want to be serious with you. Some of you might have to go back and inventory some of your possessions and say, I need to return that. I need to go back again to that person. Say, I'm sorry. I need to ask for forgiveness. I, I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and thank that person. I'm going to go back again. I'm going to do it. Why? Because it's not because you have to somehow earn his blessing. It's that you believe you have it. And you go back to places where you acted in a way that you didn't believe it back then. And you can go back there. And I was so blessed. I didn't need that book. I was so blessed. I didn't need to hold that against you. I was so blessed that I didn't need to be right. I could ask for forgiveness. I'm so blessed. And that's believing it. And it actually does something in us. It releases the future to us. And so, God, I pray tonight for all of my friends that are here that can celebrate the places where it looked like we failed and believe you can give us favor again. We could celebrate the places where people didn't recognize us and we could say we're not rejected. We're, we're, we're just going to keep being who we are and, and the day will come when people will discover us. You'll reveal us rather than us just getting recognition of man We'll have a revelation from the Father of who we are. I thank you, Father, that we can go back to the places where we felt broken and paralyzed and could shift our perspective of who we are and we can also not let what happened to us keep us on the mat, but we can definitely just get up. Get up again. Somebody say, I'm getting up again. Fail you failed in a relationship, but you're gonna get up again. You know, you 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 were betrayed in a friendship, but you're gonna do it again. You're going to believe again. You're going to love again. Maybe you had a habitual pattern of behavior and you thought you had victory over it and you failed again. You fell again. The Bible says if a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up again and again and again and again. The reason you get up isn't because you're broken. The reason you get up is because you're righteous. I love what he says. If a righteous man falls, it didn't say if a broken man falls, if a a damaged man falls, if a whacked out man falls. No, if a righteous man falls, that means you can be righteous and still forget who you are and fall. What do you do? You don't fake it. You don't fake it. You get up and admit who you are. I'm a righteous man. I'm going to get back up again. Say, I'm getting up again. You're gonna walk again, you're you're gonna dance again, you're gonna worship again, and somebody stole your song, but you're gonna sing again, somebody stole your dance, you're gonna dance again, you're gonna pray again. Maybe some of you even experienced a measure of physical healing in your body. I believe tonight is a night where God's gonna heal again. What the devil's tried to come back and put back on you again. So we're gonna sing this song and then we're gonna pray. And if it's if this. I really think it's important that you take a step. You know, we talked about how sometimes we have to go back. We have to actually make a physical statement in what we do. If this is you, as we sing this, if you're saying, you know what? I'm going to go back again to my failure and believe I'm going to have faith and favor again. I'm going to go back to a place where I I hurt someone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive again or where I've been hurt and forgive again. If you just need to make a physical step, I want you to ask, I'm going to ask you just to come up in the front. We're going to celebrate this together. We're just going to ask the worship team to lead us in this. Yes, God. Listen before we sing this. I want you to put your faith somewhere tonight because these lyrics are pretty strong. You walked around the walls and they didn't fall. You walk again, prayed and you pray again. I want to. Something kept coming to my heart as as you guys were up here, and I want to say this. um, I feel like this may apply to some people here tonight, and I just really want to be sensitive to this. People struggle with things, and sometimes in the church we're very easy to declare truth that sets people free. And I believe that's true, but you got to know the truth. And sometimes we haven't been good at helping people to hear the truth. Um, my wife and I, a couple years ago, we were helping a, a family that had a child that had gotten into um, a lot of things on the internet, art art that was kind of sexually related and came into some gender identity issues. And we are helping this family because one of their ch- children got deceived. She believed that she was a different gender than she was born to be. And, um, because of a mindset and a group that she became a part of through art, it wasn't anything physical that took place. It wasn't any abuse. It was just a thought in her head that she began to think. And then she began to act on that thought. And she was bullied around some things, and it caused that. And there's a couple things that we learned in that process. We counseled as so we talked with this family, and we learned ourselves is that this... Is that we are in a family and so if if one of us mourns we all mourn if one of us has a pain we all have a pain and so we said you know your child doesn't have a problem your child has a family and that's, there's, that's different because there's some things that you have to do if you believe something. And Jesus had to deal with these people. They had to, he had to show them something differently. And there had to be a time for that young person to get away from that community, to put away some of that electronic stuff to get their, their mind clear. And because, Not because they needed to be punished for what they did, but they had to be protected from what wasn't true in their life. Hear what I'm saying? And these are issues that we have sometimes, unfaithfulness in marriage, that become walls. Sexual abuse, gender confusion, these are walls. And as a church, sometimes what we do is we we shout at the walls, I get it, because we know the truth is what's going to bring down those walls, and I I don't want to be guilty of just shouting at the walls, I also don't want to ignore walls. I want to believe that he brings down walls. He moves mountains. I want you to think about the mountains in your life, and I believe that this affects. There's some people here, you've been affected by same-sex attraction. You've been affected by unfaithfulness in marriage. Some of you may be even affected by uh, gender confusion. Here's what I want to tell you. He moves the mountains. He moves the mountains. He's the mountain mover. And I believe tonight that there's a grace for literally demonic mountains to be moved out of our thinking. Things that have tried to come against you your whole life. Generational things. Maybe even regional things. Principality things that you've lived under. I believe tonight he's moving the mountains. He's moving the mountains. Now That means that we have to live. We have to get up the mat, off the mat and we have to live free. We have to walk free. But tonight, I believe he's looking down at the things that have caused you to be broken. And he's telling you what you're born to be. He's looking down at the things that have put you on the mat. And he's telling you, you can get up and you can walk free tonight. So when we sing this, this is what I'm singing for, because I believe he moves the mountains. I've seen Him move mountains. I've seen Him move mountains of adultery in people's lives. I've seen Him move mountains of immorality. I've seen Him move mountains of failure. I've seen Him do it, and He can do it again. He'll he'll do it for you tonight. So that's what I want us to sing by faith, and I believe something's going to shift tonight in the Spirit. Come on, let's sing.
1: You move the mountain, and I believe I see you do it again. Where there was no way, I believe. Yeah,
0: I just believe God's doing something tonight, not just not just going back to places of failure, but he's going back to places of favor and he's giving you greater favor than you've had before. Sometimes we all can easily relate to things that we've messed up, but sometimes the thing we messed up is just because we had, didn't have the level of favor. But then there's sometimes you think, man, that was really good, but I want to do something different. And God's like, I want to do that even better I'm gonna do that again. And I just saw this and um, Ryan, I just feel like God's about to do something, man. I feel like the Lord, is there's a season of your time and there's favor um, with like young people. And I feel like the Lord wants you, he's breathing on favor again for young people. And I feel like there's even a grace, there's a, an outpouring on the young people of your church community that's going to begin to happen in this season. And I feel like the Lord is going to begin to pour out the spirit on the young people, but there's a favor that's coming on on you. And I felt like there's some young Young people uh, assemblies in the UK that you're about to be invited to, that the Lord, where you've had like small favor in among the youth ministries in the UK in the past. I feel like there's huge favor coming for you, even in large youth gatherings in the future, and you'll be able to still be faithful to what God's called you to do as a pastor and still be the 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 voice to a generation the father to a generation that called god has called you to be i believe there's new favor coming for you in the uk in this next season i saw favor coming in in um, wales i saw favor coming for you in ireland and i feel like the lord is going to take you to some spots in the past where you had a little bit of favor and he's going to pour out more and more favor i feel like there's even some like old apostolic movements that god's going to breathe new favor on for you and i see you going back to some old apostolic movements that some people would say become old wineskins, but the lord is going to have you go and i saw him giving you this this bottle of oil for these old apostolic movements and they They were wineskins once. There were new wineskins. And the way that you make an old wineskin a new wineskin is you dip it in the oil again and again and again and again and again. And I feel like the Lord's about to even connect you with some old apostolic movements. And there's a fresh outpouring that's coming that's going to cause them even to be more flexible. And I feel like there's a connection coming for you in old places. And you're not going back the past. You're going back to your future. And I feel like the Lord's breathing again on old movements. He's breathing again on youth movements. He's breathing again what God's called you to do among young people. Because the Lord has seen the faithfulness that you've had with the little. And I feel like the Lord's about to do much. And even in the area where you are, I feel like there's a fresh outpouring uh, for like unusual service meeting times. And I saw the Lord say, gather in an unusual time and i'll gather in your midst and i saw you guys even planning like a non-traditional service time and i feel like the lord says i'm going to meet a new uh, generation at a non-traditional time and there's going to be a beautiful outpouring that's going to take place and so i feel like there's favor that's coming for you and i saw the lord even open up like some things around um uh, some education facilities that's going to cause you guys to have favor in the schools and favor in the marketplace in this next season. So God, would you bring favor again? Everybody say favor again. See, God's given you favor again. He wants, to, he wants to give you great favor where you had good favor. He wants to give you increased favor where you had diminished favor. He's, he wants to do it again. So this time I want us to sing it again. You can move the mountains, but I, I want you to think it in a, in a positive way that he can give you favor again in places. That he, he maybe doesn't want to shift you out of the job you're in. He just wants to promote you in the same job. He wants to bless you. Maybe he want, doesn't want you to, to change where you live maybe he wants to just, cha- you to change where you live, he wants you to transform where you live. He doesn't need you to change where you go to church he just needs to ch- you to change how you go to church. He just wants you to realize that you have favor, in places that you don't think you have favor. Maybe that's the mountain that needs to move is the mountain of our thinking that we don't have favor, the mountain of our thinking that we're rejected, the mountain of our thinking that we're paralyzed and so I see you move, you move the mountain, and I
1: believe.
0: I see you do it again, you made
1: a way where there was no way, and I believe. I see you do it again, I see you move. And I believe I see you do it again where there was no way and I believe I see you do it again I see you move and I believe I'll believe it, I'll see you do it again.
0: Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to do this. I'm going to close tonight by praying this prayer of healing over people. I believe that some of you have experienced God's healing in your life. And what you were healed of either came back or you experienced something that you need healing from. And second, we're going to pray. If you were healed of something and it came back, then you need healing again. If that's you, i you you to slip your hand up all over this place. There's a bunch of you. And I feel like it has is something powerful in this room because whenever God brings something, the devil, he only knows how to steal. He can't create anything, but if he tries to steal what God made and you give it to him, then it's his. But we can take it back. I want to tell you, when I was 11 years old, my mom prayed for me. Some of you know my story, and my eyesight was healed. I never had to wear glasses from that time. Uh, I didn't wear them until I, went, I got my driver's license. When I was uh, 16 years old, I had 20-20 vision. I'm going to confess something to you really vulnerably here. My first year driving, I got two traffic tickets. Because of that, I had to go back and take my test again. When I went back at age uh, 17 or 18, my eyesight had diminished. I think that's why I missed the stop sign, if you will. I had 20-60 one eye, 2040, in the other eye. And I said, no way. My mom prayed for me. So I went back. I had my mom pray for me again. True story. Just a couple years ago, I went to get my motorcycle license because I had a midlife crisis, so I need to do something about it. <laughs> 2010, 2020. 2010 is better than 2020, by the way. My, my mom prayed, and it... She prayed better the second time. I say, if my mom could do it again, your father could do it again. That's all I'm saying. Like sometimes we just accept accept stuff being taken from us instead of going back again to what God has given us and say, "Uh uh-uh. In fact, this last time you healed me, it was 2020. This time, I'm going to have 2010, 20. I'm just saying... God can do it even better this time. So if you've been healed and the symptoms came back or you had something and it came back, I want you to lift a hand all over this place. If you see someone around you with their hand up, just put a hand on them. We're just going to pray that simple do-it-again prayer right now. I want everyone to have someone praying for them. So even if you have to move around up here, and then we're going to dismiss. Father, right now, would you do it again? God, would you do it again? Would you do it again, Father? Would you come and lay your hands on the sick again and heal. Would you come again and heal backs and heal shoulders? Right now, we just say, Cancer, you cannot come back in Jesus' name. You got to get out in the name of Jesus. We declare right now, Depression, go in Jesus' name. We declare right now, Chronic fatigue, you got to go in the name of Jesus right now in Jesus' name. We speak right now, Do it again, God. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. Do it again, God, in the name of Jesus, God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, give the Lord a shout tonight.